Welcome to the You Thought Sports Podcast, the podcast which, according to Spotify Wrapped, was the one podcast that lived in my head rent-free all year long. <laughs> Sounds about right. I'm Jared, podcasting alongside the usual crew of Lucas, Aiden, Barton, Wyatt. Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving listening, and mm-hmm. if you have listened to any of our previous shows, know anything about us, or have been watching the sports news even remotely close, you already know what we're going to be discussing on this episode, but first we're going to start with news we missed, of course. The most important news probably of the of the week is uh, Lionel Messi won his seventh Ballon d'Or, I think is how That's it's correct. pronounced. That's correct. Okay, there we go. Right there. Um, and loyal listener and commentator Alejandro mentioned that he wanted to hear our thoughts on it. Soccer fans, can you uh, can you save us here? It's a cloud Bam. pick. Yeah. He only picked it because he... Uh, He'll, or he only won it because he's messy. Like, he did not have an objectively great year. Barcelona finished third in La Liga. I mean, they mm. won. The, Argentina did win their first title, but he was, like, good <laughs> but not great this year. He won because he's messy. There were much more deserving candidates this year. Yep. If you, uh, if you looked at Reddit's threads about this, which I, of course, did, uh, people were going off about how the the like the metric that people who vote on this use each year seemingly changes just to fit to make them allow them to vote for Messi or Ronaldo basically. And also <laughs> tangentially related, Lewandowski not getting uh, like a belated 2020 trophy is absolutely outrageous. Everybody, everybody literally unanimously agrees he should have gotten one and he didn't, which is also annoying. But uh, that's beside the point. Yeah. Yeah. And. In the other biggest news of the week that we're not talking about fully, Michigan finally beat Ohio State after a a long drought. Wyatt, what are your thoughts on that game? Were you watching? Did you even watch it? I'm not sure. I watched bits and pieces. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, I missed the final result. Oh, okay. So gotcha. no comment. <laughs> All right, gotcha. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> And everyone, everyone was laughing after that, and they were laughing at me when I said last week that Michigan was going to be the number two seed in the playoff. And look what happened. They beat Ohio State. They are currently the number two seed, and if they win the Big Ten championship, we'll probably stay there, uh, unless Georgia loses. And everyone also laughed. Let me point this out. When I said Notre Dame could go 12-0 and this year, Wyatt put it up on the Instagram that I knew nothing about college football with that take, uh, basically, and which is technically wrong. <laughs> but they're number sixteen. No, spiritually, no, spiritually, it's more right though than everybody else because they're number sixteen in the nation, and everyone else said they'd go nine and three or ten and two. So there you it's go. It's a it's a moral victory. Spiritual. We're just here for the moral it's victory. It's a loss. It's, it's, a, quality, it's a quality. I feel mistake. like there were someone who guessed ten and two would have been just as close, right? Yeah, well, I think they're, like they're about to go twelve and one. And though. They're about to go twelve and one when they when they win their next bowl. Actually, they're going to go 13 and one when they win the national championship. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> With King Marcus Freeman at the helm. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I know some people wanted to get some, some thoughts on this real quick. Alabama needed four overtime periods to beat Auburn in this year's iron bowl. Loyal listener in front of the pod. Again, Diego commented on our Instagram that we should do a deep dive on teams going for two instead of playing for overtime. We're not doing a deep dive Diego, but I know at least Lucas has opinions on this. Maybe other people do. I literally called Jared right after the game. And <laughs> if you're the worst team and you have a chance to win it by going for two in the overtime, you should always go for it. Like, yes. all credit to Auburn. They were the worst team in that game. Yeah. Like, yeah. it was very clear that if it kept going, Alabama would win. When you get to the first overtime <clears throat> and you have a chance to win by going for two, 
Go for two, because you're going to have to go for two anyway, so break out that good two-point play. Their first two-point play worked in the third overtime, so, mm-hmm. like, it, in theory, like, you know, there are an infinite number of possibilities in the universe, but, like, in theory, it probably would have worked again if they had done it. Kansas did it to beat Texas. Auburn should have done it to beat Bama. I'm very angry. It was a bad coaching decision to not do that. Yeah, and their quarterback was hobbled at the time. Like, they're... Yes. You know, their offense and was just bad at its... Yeah, honestly, though, like, it was in their best interest to just go for it and get it over with. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. <clears throat> I was texting Lucas as well. Their walk on, their backup uh, to Bo Nix's backup, apparently is a walk on, but he had to have been better than that. Their quarterback was doing literally nothing for them except trying to lose the game by throwing a bunch of picks. But um, <laughs> let's move on to some some Pac-12 news that probably I'm the only one excited about. Washington football has their new man, Kalen uh, DeBoer. Actually, I don't know how they pronounce his name. I should have looked this up. But he's from Fresno State. He's their next head coach. It's not a sexy hire, but it is a good hire. Like, if Lincoln Riley was is a 10, this is a solid 7 here. And I, I do want to do a deeper dive on this, on the state of all four of the Washington and Oregon programs on a solo show. Let me know if you want to hear that. I'm going to do it anyway, but let me know. So, you know <laughs> I don't want so to hear I, So I feel good about it. But, um, if we get enough people to call into the show saying they don't want to hear it. Then well, maybe, yeah, maybe I won't. Stand we'll down. See. Stand down. <laughs> yeah, then, uh, in the other side of the state, on the east side, Washington State promoted Jake Dickert to be their permanent head coach after their win in the Apple Cup for the first time in seven tries. And they stormed, they stormed Washington State fans stormed Washington's field and like planted a flag or something, which I think is pretty funny. Um, and for those of you that didn't follow this, you probably heard about it a, li- a little bit. Um, Washington State's original coach, uh, Nick Rolovich, uh, refused to get the vaccine, so he was fired because uh, Washington State employees are required to get the vaccine. And then Jake Dickard stepped in and actually did really pretty well. Uh, I think he went 3-2, and two, and then obviously beating Washington for the first time in seven tries is going to be enough at Washington State to get you. The head coach job, I think. So, um, I mean, I am excited to see what they do. But uh, in other head coaching news, Florida hired Billy Napier to be their next head coach. He was the former head coach of the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns. If anybody wants was to, it, go ahead. Wasn't he in Louisville? Uh, Louisiana, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, I'm almost yes, positive right. it was Louisiana. Sorry, no, 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 no. <laughs> sorry, I'm completely wrong about that. I saw Lewis, and I just, yeah. I ran with it being so. Apologies, no problem. And then the last, the last headline to mention, which is like, I'm sure we might get a little bit of debate on this, but the penultimate college football rankings were revealed yesterday. Uh, and by the way, the committee was consistently down on Oklahoma and insisted on ranking Michigan higher than Michigan State. And those two decisions have been vindicated, actually. Are, has the committee uh, been redeemed or are they still whack? I hate to say, I think the committee usually gets vindicated most years. I think that that's I, I like, would also agree with that. I think that... Somehow, some way, they end up being vindicated. The, the committee's to, to a degree. Not, the committee's issue is not with how they rank Power Five teams because I think they generally do a good job of that. Is that they exclude Group of Five teams yeah. gotcha. unnecessarily? Yeah. So I don't know. That's my take. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't feel like they're vindicated given that Bama's still above Cincy. That's I just, true. I yeah, like, I was gonna say. Like, yeah. I mean, it hel- it helps when Gary Danielson, Paul Feinbaum. Uh, freaking Joey Galloway, Kirk Herbstreit are all paid by Bama's PR team and <laughs> completely explain away any close win that Bama has against garbage teams. But the that Alabama was something that Lucas and I were also raised out there. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I think I don't I'm, I don't want to quote Kirk Herbstreit exactly because I don't know the exact quote, but the, the crux of what he said on the show 
um, the reveal show was like, well, it's a, it's a rivalry game. It's bound to be close. And I'm like, <laughs> well, that's that's just not true at all. Yeah. Like, rivalry games are not close all the time when one team is dramatically better than the other. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know. Was Cincinnati SMU a rivalry game? I guess not. They would have held that against them if it was a one <laughs> yes. game. It was yeah. Ohio State, Michigan. I don't yeah. remember. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Let's get into the meat of this. And as I alluded to, you already know what we're talking about. The Irish goodbye from Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame for LSU. He's the first Notre Dame coach since 1907 to leave for another college job. Some reports say the deal is uh, as high as like $15 million annually, while most even conservative estimates say it's $100 million, basically. So, uh, Lucas, just start ripping some takes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Can I say the thing that brings me the most joy out of this? And there aren't many yes. things that bring me joy out of this. <laughs> Is that none of his staff is joining him? Like one by one, summarily, they've rejected joining him at LSU and said they're going to stay at Notre Dame. And it has not been officially confirmed by the university yet, but as of ten fifty four on December first on the eastern coast of the United States, Marcus Freeman has not been like officially confirmed as the head coach, but it, he's been reported by lots of journalists and sources that it's almost going to happen. And what's happened is he's basically kept the staff there around him. Tommy Reese is staying, struggling coordinating coaches staying. A lot of the other assistants are staying and not leaving to go to Brian Kelly, which I think really shows good things about those coaches that they value Notre Dame more than they value any personal loyalty. Brian Kelly, who, I don't know, might be kind of a bad person, I've learned. I, I mean, I feel like other people might have had this take before. Um, the story came out about him forcing Matt LaFleur and Robert Sally to uh, shovel his driveway when they were his assistant coaches at Central Michigan. And on top of that, he ditched Notre Dame uh, when they were in the middle of a playoff run. Um, I'm sure he didn't intend it that way to happen, but it's kind of unavoidable that it would come out, the news that he had agreed to coach LSU. So he's gone. Um, I'm pretty stunned that this happened. If you had asked me as early as a few minutes before this happened, I would tell you that there was no chance whatsoever <laughs> that it would happen. Um, but here we are. Uh, I'm not thrilled. Um, he brought, while he might not be a great person, he was objectively a very, very good football coach approaching great. He brought more brought more stability to Notre Dame than they'd had in decades. And he just kind of up and left in the middle of the night, which I don't love. But I'll look at like objectively this from two perspectives. Brian Kelly's in Notre Dame's. Um, first, Brian Kelly's, I think the only reason why this move makes sense for him, or the, the biggest reason, there are other smaller reasons, but the biggest reason why this makes sense is just he wanted to get paid, which, you know, you can't always fault somebody for doing. Um, he, like, the coach, the um, the contract, like we talked about, is close to $100 million. Why, what did you say earlier about it being, like, something with housing incentives too he there's like a weird clause in his contract and i'll see if i can pull it up exactly what i said because i almost copied it from the tweet he gets a he gets a interest-free loan from the the from lsu of up to 20 percent of the house's value i'm pretty sure and i think it's like a max value of 1.2 million dollars and it's just like a weird clause in there <laughs> and the, the house yeah. has to be within 30 miles of campus i read so it's, what <laughs> We also, like just, I don't know if you'd thing. want to live that totally far away from campus anyway. Though. Random yeah. side note that, that made me laugh at this even harder is apparently Lincoln Riley, which we'll talk about later, is also getting very similar treatment as far as housing goes. They bought both of his houses in Oklahoma and then bought him a house in California. Yeah, I just thought ridiculous. that was interesting as well. It's crazy. Anyway, hopping back on the Brian Kelly train, um, I think mostly it seems like a downgrade in terms of like the pure objective football status of it. He has solidity at Notre Dame. He built like 
what it was approaching a perennial juggernaut who was in the top ten every single year, year in and year out. And Notre Dame, Notre Dame comes with some academic restrictions that you might not have at LSU. But that program has been on the downswing since they won the national title, and it's going to take some time to build it back up. Plus, having to play in the same division as Alabama I don't think really helps your chances of doing well um, in most years. I've seen some people say that LSU is kind of a proving ground for great head coaches because you, in theory, have all the things in place for you to win a title there. Saban did it, Les Miles did it, Coach O did it. You have a great recruiting basis. And in, like, in theory, if you're a very good coach, you should be able to win. So I guess Kelly thinks you might be better off there. Even though heading into next year, Notre Dame has the number four recruiting class and LSU has the number 15 recruiting class, according to 247. Though it, it is worth saying that the recruiting classes at Notre Dame have taken a large jump, jump in large part due to new head coach Marcus Freeman. Um, he's really the one reason why they've passed schools like LSU um, in recent times. So I think that bears good for Notre Dame's future. Um, speaking of recruiting, though, that brings me to Notre Dame, um, who I worry will regress maybe a little bit after this. Brian Kelly, again, built stability there that hasn't been seen since Lou Holtz. And... I think hiring Freeman is a good move for that stability, but I don't know if it's going to be a perfect, seamless transition. He's never been a head coach before. I think he's absolutely the best man for the job because recruits love him, the players love him, everybody there loves him. He seems well-respected. The way he's turned around that defense in the span of a year has been absolutely impressive. I think long-term he's going to be a very good coach, but I just worry in the next year or two there might be just some growing pains to him adjusting to the job. So three, four years from now, once he has all his recruits there, who, uh, again, apparently love him and come there because of him. Um, I think they're going to be great, but I think in the next year to two, they might regress a little bit. But I also said that about the team this year, and they didn't. So Mm -hmm. I have full faith in Marcus Mm -hmm. Freeman to be a very good head coach in the long term. I think it's the right hire, but I do worry a little bit about the very immediate short term in this deal. But we'll see. I like that, again, I think... The way the college football world has weirdly rallied around Notre Dame in the past few days, um, <laughs> like kind of rooting for us to do well. The way the team has rallied around Marcus Freeman has been really encouraging, and I'm very, very happy. It seems in all likelihood he'll be the next head coach. Yeah, I think uh, on the Brian, Ke- I think on the Brian Kelly phase, uh, phase of this, I know a lot of people are like greed is getting out of control in college football, which it is. But I don't think this move was about greed. I think, I think it was about Brian Kelly saying. I think I'm a coach that can win a national championship, but Notre Dame won't give me the resources to do that. And yeah, like you were saying, Lucas, like the last three coaches have won a title. And Brian Kelly is like, if I can't win it at LSU, then I just was not a good enough coach to win a national championship. And at least I'll know kind of once and for all. He He's kind of given it a shot here. And I think that, honestly, that the Notre Dame administration is not as committed maybe as LSU definitely is on winning a national championship. I know Notre Dame doesn't, release um the figures for their contracts because it's a private university but i i don't think they were paying him 10 million uh in anywhere close <laughs> right 10 million a year i i saw some reports that he was like getting like 2 million a year so that being said i think brian kelly actually is going to do pretty well at lsu like he's he has one everywhere he's been it's not like the super sexy like lincoln riley hire but he's got a 73 winning percent 73 percent winning percentage where like Cocho only has like a fifty nine percent winning percentage, and he was able to win one there. Like, and he's kind of like either struggled or just was like middle of the pack at his previous jobs. So, um, another thing I want to mention though is I'm not on the drag Brian Kelly's name through the mud tour that's going on right now, where everybody's just piling on him, like digging up old stuff, and like some people made fun of some of the 
like slander that's tried to been going on like somebody like posting a picture of brian kelly like flipping somebody off and everybody was like memeing on that and stuff but i don't really have any interest in doing that um everyone that's dragging brian kelly by the way has nothing to do with the program like all the i'm really proud actually of the notre dame players response at lucas uh <laughs> at lucas yeah <laughs> the notre no though the team has like like you said rallied around the current staff We've only had one player decommit, um, as far as I know, at this moment. Where Oklahoma had like multiple top flight recruits, at least three that I can think of. Uh, and like Kyle Hamilton was doing a podcast literally right as this news was releasing, and he said no hard feelings, essentially. Uh, I do, I do think that Brian Kelly only talking to the team for like two minutes is pretty like snaky, like sus, like pretty sus. But apparently, the players didn't really have hard feelings. They mo- they moved on yeah. quickly, which yeah. I'm pretty proud yeah. of the program i mean what else do you do in like a meeting like that and brian kelly's defense you tw- you like, freaking... brian kelly yeah yeah like i mean yeah. like you're like i'm you talk sorry to the players. I you talk to the players like, and you, i don't know i yeah, feel like, like you what do you questions say and like stuff. i don't know you let them do- i mean you're just gonna like 12 years of that school maybe four years with some kid five or six years with some kids in that room and you're just gonna leave on on a two minute on a text and two minutes of conversation and i'm already and then like the next day you're in lsu like meeting fans that just seems weird to me yeah i mean i feel like if like if you're the players though too like what are you gonna ask him at that point anyway like i'm sure he would have like answered stuff i feel like it's just like it's an awkward situation where um not to you know speculate too much as to what actually happened during Mm -hmm. the meeting Uh, but i feel like there was we do know what happened apparently audio was leaked or yeah yeah so we can go review that but i'm just assuming that for the players like you know, he's leaving. What are they really going to ask him? And, <clears throat> yeah. Know, what is Brian really going to say besides, you know, Brian. I'm out. Yeah. We're on a first name basis. <laughs> yeah. Right? We yeah. Can call him Brian. I know you're not, you should call him coach Kelly, but I, no, I mean, I, I read like the, the athletic has a transcript of what he apparently said. And it was like, it boils down to, I had a really good offer that I had, like, it was basically take it or leave it. He said he had more or less no time. And so he just had to take it. But what bothers me the most is the fact that you have to do it in the middle of the season still. Like, why? Yeah. As Lucas alluded to earlier, this is probably not how he intended for it to happen. But it's still, I think as a player, it would rub me really the wrong way that you're just like, even if you only have two minutes of stuff worth to say and you don't want to take questions, it's still weird that he can't just be the coach for one more game and then go. Yeah. What is he gaining at LSU by coaching now, coaching, quote-unquote, for two weeks? <laughs> like, come on now. The early signing period, though. You have to get, you have to get recruits in now. For two, the next two weeks? I don't know. Yeah, if I'm, no, you you are behind the eight ball though. If you if you missed that, day. ask one of your new coordinators to do it. <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, though, yeah, I'm pretty shocked that like couldn't they have just waited at least a week? Um, in which case, there's a good chance that Notre Dame would be out of it anyway, and Brian yeah, Kelly would yeah. not look nearly as bad. I mean, I feel like he might as well have waited for that just to hedge his bets. But um, then, so no, but then then LSU that. offers the job to Matt Campbell or whatever, who doesn't have anything to play for, and then Brian Kelly's like, "Well, yeah. there goes my opportunity." Really? Is I don't Matt know. So Campbell, I don't... Uh, if you're LSU, I'm waiting a week Not... for Brian Kelly over <laughs> well, any maybe. Of the other you people never out know, there. Though. You never um, know. But I don't know. Uh, when How opportunity many recruits are you going to get during that week? It is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I and I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I really blame Kelly that much. To be honest, like normal, like people in like normal jobs, you don't tell your imp- current employer like, "Oh, I'm interviewing with these other companies." Yeah. I'm at, you know, you just go take the job and you say, "I'm leaving in two weeks." You know. Yeah, but he said I'm leaving tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, the reality is different. <laughs> Two weeks yeah, the reality is different. But, yeah. I would have been really mad if he if he like took Freeman and 
and I don't know, Tommy Tommy Reese. I don't really I wasn't too concerned about that, but if he took Freeman, then I would be like I would be on the Brian Kelly hate tour. But yeah. I mean, he tried to. Does he tried. matter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that's one of the things where, like, in the beginning, like I was sort of in your butcher. I'm like, you know what? I wish he had stayed. He has been a great coach, but like, you, I guess he took his opportunity and like whatever. But um, when he like actually tried to like take all the coordinators and stuff away from Notre Dame, like that, that rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. Like I, I kind of agree with Aiden that it's like, who cares whether they went or not? Like. It, do, it doesn't reflect well on him that he, like, try, tried to see that, like, their loyalty was more to him than to Notre Dame. And, like, to their credit, they all stayed at Notre Dame. And they're going to yeah. continue what he built. Um, yeah. Which I think is good. Yeah. Yeah, I do think at the end of the day, like, I'm going to be bitter for a little bit. Um, I do think, like, after a couple months, I'll probably just... I'll remember Brian Kelly fondly. I will. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to miss him. Like, that's... <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The end of it. Um, and I do think it, like, my biggest feeling at the moment is just anxiety or nervousness about the future because it yeah. didn't feel like, like, that, I wasn't really nervous or anxious entering most seasons because Brian Kelly, as Lucas mentioned, just brought so much stability to the program. They were consistently so good. Um, and now it's like, you know, um, we're kind of entering into the unknown and who knows what will happen. I really trust Marcus Freeman. I, he's definitely who I wanted them to hire. Uh, yeah. but it's still unknown territory so yeah yeah by all accounts that i've read though like in addition to being a, a really really good recruiter obviously marcus freeman is also just apparently like a brilliant defensive football mind which i think is very yeah. encouraging i didn't realize that he was like actually particularly good in, in that domain like actually as a football you know coach <laughs> i guess <laughs> um so I, I but yeah tommy reese is, is good as an offensive coordinator so hopefully they can they can work well as a tandem, but I, I'm optimistic just like as as far as the quality of the football team goes. Yeah, I I it could be like the home run scenarios that this is like the Dabo Sweeney situation where Dabo mm-hmm. was a really good recruiter and pretty good football mind as well, and then you know look where he's taken Clemson now, and he took over from uh, Bowden or so, somebody that was there for a long time. I can't remember who it was. I think it was a Bowden though or something like that. Anyway, took the program to, to new heights, and maybe that's that's ideally what we want. Like, I don't want the Lincoln-Riley comparisons. That's what Notre Dame's been doing is go, getting blown out in college football playoff games. I want the Dabo Sweeney comparisons. So. Or Kirby Smart, even. You know, he, it was a little bit different situation, but Kirby Smart did not have any head coaching experience either, and he's built Georgia into a juggernaut. So, yeah. And I think also we like don't panic next year if maybe next season, like Lucas said, like growing pains. We play a pretty daunting schedule. Like we're playing. Uh, Freeman's going to be coaching against his alma mater in the very first regular season game next year Ohio at State. Ohio State. Uh, we play Clemson next year as well, and then Lincoln Riley and USC. So um, it's going to be a gauntlet. But uh, yeah, I do have faith overall, and I. I, I mean, I had in the podcast before all this stuff happened, <laughs> I had a hot take that Brian Kelly should hand the keys over to Marcus Freeman, and here we go. So. I think when that was in the notes for this podcast, I commented, quote, that's stupid that that never <laughs> happened. <laughs> and literally three days later, it the that exact scenario played out. So yeah. No, but he we said should... he was going to retire, and Brian Kelly yeah, did not retire, yeah. to be fair. That's but true. no, Jared did get it pretty 
they're kind of creepily dead on. So yeah, I don't know. Jared's having a good couple weeks. I'm a little. I, bit, am. <laughs> I don't know about this. <laughs> it's, it's weird too. Like I think Brian Kelly's just a weird fit at LSU. Like he's coached his entire life in the Midwest. <laughs> like he does not seem to like have any real connections with the South. And like I don't. I saw a tweet and no offense, Brian Kelly or whatever, but it's like <laughs> I don't know how a guy who looks like he thinks br- Sprite is spicy would fit in in Louisiana. <laughs> and oh, so like, that's I don't know. Yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. But it just feels like a weird culture fit. Like, it just doesn't seem like the types of schools he's coached at before is similar to LSU. And I wonder how the, that's going to pan out. But well, that is we'll the see. same thing for Nick Saban, apparently, too. He had only coached in the Midwest, is from West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And it worked out fine. <laughs> so Yeah. <laughs> I if Brian Kelly turns into Nick Saban, I that's that's a bold take. If it, no, um, I'm not rooting for him to fail, but I don't want him to win a national championship. That is yeah. my take on this. Like but if I they go like, like ten, not before ten, us. that's failure yeah. though, Lucas. Though I feel like with I, this, that is, yeah, that's true. You know, if they go ten and two every year, like whatever. But if yeah. they win a national championship, lose to Bam every year. Each, every yeah. once in a while. Each of the past three LSU coaches won a championship, if I'm not mistaken. So that's pretty daunting. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What about uh, Notre Dame in the playoffs? Does anybody have thoughts on like how this should affect us and how this will affect us? It should not. The yeah. committee said it might, though. Yeah, it, it absolutely yeah. will. They're dead in the water. Yeah. I mean, I uh, think no, we're not. No, there's no way the committee will put the team in that just lost their head coach. They're gonna think about it in a way of momentum dying, team having being stranded in the ocean. I think that they're dead in the water as far as the playoff goes. Good bowl game though, Tostino's Fiesta Bowl, <laughs> something like that. Dude, can you imagine bowl? Being same bowl Ohio State's playing in. Well. Your first head coaching game ever is in a college football playoff. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that would be terrifying. Yeah. I honestly like Georgia too. <laughs> Anyways, right. I, I was just gonna say I agree with why I think like I, I I'm with you Lucas in that it shouldn't, but I definitely think all other things being equal, the committee is gonna say you know what we're gonna take some other team over Notre Dame right now because of this weird thing going on. They already seem Wait. to not like us this year. So you think they'll put a two-loss team ahead? Because that's what if it's Bama, yeah. I no, I wouldn't be. They, they are setting up. They're setting up a scenario where oh well, Notre Dame doesn't have their coach, so we're just going to put two-loss Bama in there to play against Georgia. Or it'd be but why, so whack because they would just rematch Georgia or something. I mean, the but, committee would sell their soul to the devil to let two-loss Bama in. Convinced <laughs> of that, so Gary Danielson's going to make a call. Yeah, dude. I there's I, no. okay another like more Bama like just being annoying the, not Bama but like the reaction to them is Joey Galloway on ESPN last time was like a close loss to Georgia actually will prove they're the second best team in the nation and it's like okay let's just put Clemson and Nebraska in there too if close losses are cr- criteria at this point it'll guarantee be a good game if we put Nebraska in there what? and it's just like I, I really just can't they, have not, they have not lost a game by fewer than 10 points or 9 I just sometimes I can't even listen to ESPN's college football analyst they have no original opinions no. except Reese Davis other yeah. Reese Davis yeah. does occasionally challenge them, so good yeah. for him. Yeah. He's, a, he's a real journalist. But like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's the phrase? Like, close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. Like, I think that that's applicable here. Yeah. Yeah. And even yeah. Reese Davis always has to, like, phrase it as, like, you know, what if someone said that, you know, blank, you know? Yeah, yeah. What if someone, exactly. someone said that Bama shouldn't be, you know, ranked at number two or number three or whatnot? Yeah. The best this year, though, was when, I think it was, like, the second or third rankings, when he's, like, 
like as they were signing off yeah. the call with Gary Barto, and he's like, "Well, yeah. I'm sure the rankings will be different next week because eighty or top twenty five lost this week." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. <laughs> Barto just <laughs> stared at him, right? Yeah, oh, that was funny. Uh, so last thing on a lot of the some of the questions we had prepped kind of got answered, but here's here's a question: Do you think that we made a call to Urban Meyer or like his like agent or whatever? Do you think we did? I really hope not. Yeah, I hope not. Okay, so yeah, Bart and Aiden are not on the Urban Meyer train. I think nope. we should have made a call to him, and we probably did. As well as any know. any Catholic coach out there, we gave a call to Nick Saban. We gave a call to him too. Well, he but turned do us down. Not <laughs> like the Urban Meyer uh, like media. I don't know. Bad press this year. I feel like might have dissuaded Notre Dame's administration from even. Yeah, no, that's it, definitely fair. To be honest, yeah. If he didn't take, see, he's if he didn't take that Jaguars job, he'd be Notre Dame's coach right now. I'm just saying. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Hmm. Apparently, Swarbrick liked the the um, pickle, but yeah. he's like, I can't afford to lose Freeman, so that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I pickle was very worried that they were gonna wait, have Freeman leave, and then have Fickle also just not not care take the job. Anyway. Yeah, and then we'd be oh, screwed. Yeah, but, we'd be getting freaking Matt yeah. Campbell or like. Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern who went like three and yeah. nine this year. I, I thought that, that was so I, dumb. Like I saw that. How is he, he's going to be nowhere close to our search, man. Yeah. Mediocrity. That's what we would be with. Exactly. Yeah, Pat Fitzgerald. Oh my God. Yeah. Like we're not looking for a lateral move. We're looking for a step up. So yeah. <laughs> Anybody else want to have any parting thoughts? Otherwise we're going to move on. <clears throat> Go Irish. Oh, Irish to the moon. <laughs> we don't need Brian Kelly. <laughs> Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly's first job, I think, was working on Gary Hart's presidential campaign in 1984, what? like after college. And Gary Hart dropped out because of a sex scandal. So Brian Kelly's not a winner. He's never picked winners. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. That's a low blow, I feel like, but. I'm sure Gary Hart, you know, whatever, but I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to comment because I don't know anything about that situation, but situations we do know some things about. Uh, in California, Lincoln Riley shook up the college football landscape before Brian Kelly stole the mic and will become the next head coach of the USC Trojans. Um, Bart, I don't know. I, did this move surprise you? You can start ripping some takes as well, but what do you I, think? I, I just want to say I love that uh, metaphor. Uh, Brian Kelly is Kanye West <laughs> this week. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, I I want to say that it 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 did surprise me in the sense that like wait, it came out of nowhere. But then when you think about it, it actually makes a lot of sense, like from Lincoln Riley's perspective. But definitely, I mean, like you look at Lincoln Riley as a coach at Oklahoma, like for the past five years, he consistently was really really good. Right? They never had anything different. No more, no less than two losses, exactly. They were always 10-2 or 9-2. So they was a really successful program. Obviously, like the, the thing he was known for and is still known for is being a quarterback guru, having high-flying offenses. He did a really good job of that in recruiting, right? So all of that's like, wait, you're doing great at Oklahoma right now. You seem like you're, like you're stable. Why are you leaving? But then, like you think about the fact that he's going to USC specifically, and it, I think it makes a lot of sense. We talked about money a lot earlier. And we know we don't know the contract details quite yet, but as Wyatt mentioned earlier, there's the thing with the house. There's the fact that like I think you just know that Lincoln Riley is going to be getting paid around what Brian Kelly is getting paid right now. I think it's going to be like triple digits. Brian Kelly became the first coach to be getting paid triple digits total, and I'm sure Lincoln Riley is going to be around there. He probably deserves it. Then you think about the fact that it's literally just L.A. 
Like, you tell me. If you were to live in Norman, Oklahoma versus L.A., which one would you pick? I think that was an easy decision Norman for him. Either, so Stop, Lucas. Know. Yeah, I, ca- I cannot. <laughs> He's from Lubbock, Texas, isn't he? So he might not know better anyway. <laughs> I'm sure there are great people in Norman, Oklahoma. I mean, you know. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. I mean, you're not wrong, but it's Norman, Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I digress. I know he's got a couple of young kids, but it's not like I don't think uprooting the family and moving to Cali is like a particularly tough thing for him to do right now. So that also probably helps. Um, then you just think about the fact that California is California as like a football state. California produces the fourth most blue chip recruits of any state, and none of the other states uh, in the Pac-12 are even remotely close. What was that, Wyatt? I said blue chippers. Those dang blue chippers. Those dang blue chippers. <laughs> And as we talked about earlier as well, he already had a bunch of good recruits at Oklahoma who then decommitted. So how important was recruiting that he had built up to at Oklahoma anyway? Notably, the quarterback Malachi Nelson, I think his last name is, like a five-star, decommitted and then committed to USC. So he's already got him coming along, which is huge. So he probably doesn't even care about any recruits he lost because they they might be joining anyone anyway. So like, I mean, like honestly, and then so I think he's he's really set up well for success in the Pac-12. I know you might disagree with me on this, Jared, but like USC easily could and maybe even should become the next powerhouse in the Pac-12 within a few years, where they're like you know consistently the team that's expected to be winning and you know one loss, zero losses, making the college football playoff, that kind of thing. So from a football perspective, it makes a ton of sense. It's just weird because he was already doing so well in Oklahoma. I think this is probably similar to what Brian Kelly experienced, where it was just like. He got the offer, and he thought, you know what, like it's time for something new, and this is a thing that I can't really turn down right now. Yeah, I absolutely agree, and I think that the one thing that you touched on that I think is the most important is that it's just in California, in that California has a huge amount of recruits. The Pac-12 has a really hard time keeping their own players or players from their backyard in the Pac-12. They all go to Texas. They all go to Alabama. They all go to you know some of these other schools down south. And I think having Lincoln Riley, who clearly, like you said, has a stranglehold on on a lot of these recruits and, you know, pulling people and like so many recruits left Oklahoma, like they they clearly love Lincoln Riley. And I think that that's going to be huge for him to be able to have players from his own backyard play for him in, in a sense in California, you know. And the only thing I'm surprised about is that he did not entertain the NFL at all the year before because he was the NFL's golden boy. The Cowboys wanted him and the Eagles wanted him. And I think the Cowboys could have offered a very similar and enticing package um, that USC offered him as far as buying his houses and uprooting him and giving him a big contract. I think that they would have given him exactly that. Jerry Jones can and probably would do something like that. So that's the only reason I'm surprised. USC makes tons of, a ton of sense. It would be, you know, it's up there with Notre Dame as far as like one of the most historical colleges in all of college football. It just, I thought the Cowboys would have also made just as much as sense, you know, and it, it, it normally feels like a step up. Yeah. Can I bring an issue to the fact that I don't know if this is necessarily a slam dunk hire for USC <laughs> oh. um, in the sense that he has to one, build the program from the ground up and he's never done that. Um, he was handed like the keys to a mansion by Bob <laughs> Stoops coming in, like a yeah. program that had consistently won for over a decade, a team that was consistently within cultural playoff contention and every single year he coached we forget this oklahoma has gotten worse in his first year they took georgia to the wire in the playoff game and almost made the national title with baker the next year uh they lost they got blown out in the playoff 
Uh, they lost to Bama. It was 45 to 34, but the game was not as close as that score seems. They put up a bunch of points in garbage time. It was 31 to 10 at halftime. So 2017, his first year, they almost make the title. Next year, they get blown out in the semifinal. The year after that, they get even more blown out in the semifinal. It was by 35 to LSU. The year after that, 2020. The Golden Team even... LSU, the greatest yes. college football team of, of all time. Okay, but and then in 20, and then in, they did it. And then in 2020, <laughs> they missed the playoff. And then in 2021, they didn't even win the Big 12 championship. Every year he's been the coach there, they've gotten worse. And I like, I think he's probably. Where, but where's how? I mean, he's produced two number one overall picks in the NFL and yeah. two Heisman quarterbacks who I know also yeah. are the same person. When, but the, he should be measured not if he's the coach of a football. He's not the. But quarterback he's a quarterback. Coach. But he is. But he's the quarterback guru. He's but the offensive the, guru. He's the young darling he, of the of see, college football. If he were the quarterback's coach, then great. Then he would have succeeded in his job. But he's the coach of a football team, and every year he has coached that football team. They've gotten worse. I don't think we can overlook that. That's a uh, good point. No, that is a good point. Like, if you, it's like it's not even like you can like like connect some dots and make it look like they're worse. Like it is a step down every single year from close to moderate loss, close loss in the playoff to moderate loss in the playoffs to blowout loss in the playoff to missing the playoffs to missing the Big Twelve championship. Yeah, I, I don't know. This is, I don't know. But I think that there are plenty of coaches that you could put under that same spotlight and have and come up come to the same conclusion as far as you know not making a national championship. It seems that Nick Saban is the only coach who consistently wins national championships. As good as Georgia is this year, we have not seen them win one in a, in you know the last couple of years. But there's been growth. Like this is like a step further away from the national championship well, every year. Twenty seventeen. They went to the championship, lost twenty eighteen, didn't even make the playoffs. They probably haven't even have they made the playoffs since. So you could, so you could use it as a regression too. But that's not like every single year, step by step. And, but the, you gave you yeah, gave well, not you literally just gave yeah. Brian Kell and this. You called it another name a juggernaut be, be, for being a consistent top ten team. Has Oklahoma not done the same thing? Notre Dame gets better year in and year out. How by getting blown out in bowl games and and you know losing to the no, number no, one seed no, no, every year? I, I, no, 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 listen to this. 2017, Notre Dame is in the playoff hunt most most of the year. Loses to Miami big at the end of the year. Gets kicked out. So 2018, undefeated, makes the playoff, get better. 2019, a little bit of regression, 11 and two. But then they improve again, back again in 2020, make the playoff. 2021, like maybe a little bit of a step back with the loss to Cincinnati. Like it's like you're staying kind of at the same level. Some years slightly better than others. His every single year, it's a step down. Every single year, it's a step further away from a national title game. Again, I think I'll be like, the. The Pac-12 is it'll be easier for him. I think he'll be fine. Um, and I think I don't know if we've even discussed this yet. He was apparently pissed about the them moving yeah. to the SEC, and that's a big part of this as well. Yeah, because I mean it's worse. And I think he'll do fine at USC, but I'm not convinced they're going to be like national title contenders within three or four years at this point. I just don't think that that's like the case based on his coaching record. Yeah, well, but he also it's going to be the same argument that Brian Kelly's going to have is like, yeah, but now I'm in I'm in the recruiting hotbed now. Like I'm not fighting for Oklahoma you know, the Oklahoma like recruiting uh pool is not as deep as the California recru- recruiting pool. And US it, like USC like in LA is probably going to benefit a lot from like the name image and likeness deals. I would think they're going to benef- they're going to benefit a lot from that too. Which is just like another reason to to go to um, USC. I think. I think he's gonna do. I think they're good points, but I think he's gonna do really well there. Actually, can I make a comparison? I think he's the Mike McCarthy of college football. 
because I think that's it's like that's I think it's a, a great we 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 talk about this in that like it's probably a poor reflection on Mike McCarthy that he only won one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback. I think it's a poor reflection on Lincoln Riley that he didn't win a championship with consecutive quarterbacks of Baker Mayfield and then uh, Kyler Murray and then Jalen Hurts. The fact that he didn't win a title with those quarterbacks, I think, is a poor reflection on him. I don't think it's necessarily a good reflection on him coaching quarterbacks. And I think that it's the same thing with Mike McCarthy coaching Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. And that it's a poor reflection that he had one of the greatest quarterbacks ever and could only win the Super Bowl out of it. Wow. Well, those are great quotes for the Instagram. We'll see what other people think. Um, I also think what this means for the Pac-12, by the way, is or I don't know what it means. It, it, it could either look like the ACC, where Clemson is only like the only remotely dominant force in that conference, or it could be a little bit more like, don't laugh at this comparison, the SEC, where it ele- elevates the rest of the conference. Where and there's going to be like a lot more pressure on those hires and those coaches, and they start getting a little bit shorter of a leash. That's what that's what the SEC is. Super short leash, because you're getting compared to Saban. Pac-12, eh, whatever you're you're getting compared to like Mario Cristobal, who's a great coach, but he's not you know fighting for national champion. Nobody in the Pac-12 is. So uh, it could either be like the ACC Clemson route, or it could be the SEC Bama route. Not really sure which one it's going to be yet, though. I would go with the ACC Clemson. You think? Route. Or more or less, um, it is going to make it harder, like for Washington to go down to California and grab somebody. Yeah, I think Oregon's still going to be pretty good, you know, and I think that that's going to be their main matchup throughout the year. Utah is going to be a pesky team. Washington will be a pesky team. Um, Let's say maybe, I don't know, maybe the Big Ten and Ohio State and Michigan or Michigan State in a a couple of years, but um, it's mainly going to be USC and then Oregon is going to kind of they bounce back and forth, and then Utah might upset one of those two teams. <clears throat> throughout the years. Yeah. One of my uh, last thoughts here too is I was not surprised at all at the uh the visceral reaction of the Oklahoma Sooners fan base when you consider the fact that they were literally chanting F U Rattler uh on national TV. You could hear it clear as day. Uh I feel like the Oklahoma event fan base is terrible. So I don't I don't blame Lincoln Riley for leaving. <laughs> they seem terrible. Did you see the the bar bar stool shooters or whatever? It was like your brisket was freaking terrible. Did, you, did anybody <laughs> see that tweet? Does anybody remember when he posted something about like making brisket and it looks super dry? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Their fan base just seems kind of terrible though. Yeah, maybe. I will say we were right. Everybody here said um, that the Oklahoma was dumb for going to the SEC, and it cost yeah. them. You know, yep. it costs them. So, I mean, it, it. I agree that I don't think that was the right move for them at all. It doesn't make any sense. And to be honest, I kind of hope that they suffer for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's kind of funny, like, the like juxtaposition, per se, of uh, Kelly going to the SEC or the, the huge coaching moves this week. We had Lincoln Riley fleeing, you know, the future SEC and Brian Kelly going to the SEC. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's going to be a crowded field, so. Yeah, Lincoln may be correct here. <laughs> Alrighty, we are going to move on now to the highly coveted blue collar team of the week award. Aiden is the only member of this podcast to not yet name a blue collar team of the week. So Aiden, who wins it? I was so ready to give this to Auburn. Like, oh, my yeah. God. I, was, I was just. <laughs> 
with a minute and a half left, winning 10 to 3, like an objectively blue-collar score. <laughs> I like, uh, until halfway through the fourth quarter, they held Bama scoreless. Bama, mm. who had, you know, the leading Heisman candidate, um, per se. Um, and the dude had no time all night due to, you know, Auburn winning in the trenches. Um, they're averaging 43 points a game, and they, you know, um, only put up points really in OT. Um, compound that with Auburn playing with a hobbled QB. Yes. You know, it was just so blue collar so up blue until collar. that point. Uh, but anyway, yeah, then, then Bryce Young drove 97 yards in a little over a minute. Um, <laughs> they didn't go for two, as we've already mentioned, regrettably. Um, and yeah, they, they don't get it. Luckily, though, there's a good um, there's a good second choice this week. And my blue collar team of the week is the obvious choice, Michigan. Um, Michigan belongs to the Big Ten, the conference most associated with our, our beloved blue-collar teams, ground and pound. Um, and yet, as I think I've mentioned on the pod, I don't see the University of Michigan as a blue-collar school. Ann That's Arbor, crazy. it may be close to Detroit, but it's it's not a blue-collar town. It's just not. Um, it's, <laughs> it's too uppity feeling. You know, I was I was um, I visited there for like forty-five minutes once, um, so I, I know what so I'm know. talking about. Um, I was there. Pretty, yeah, exactly. Lucas was with me. We both had the same impression. Um, and <laughs> yeah, we discussed it at length at the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, honestly, I would say that in the Big Ten, only Northwestern is less blue collar than Michigan. Um, mm. But anyway, those thoughts aside, they did their best impression of a blue collar team this week. Um, they did score 42 points, which is a, a little bit overkill um, for blue collar <laughs> team. But it was largely on the ground. Um, Hassan Haskins, 169 yards, five TDs. Uh, the comparison of like QB stats for the game is hilarious. We've got CJ Stroud with 394 yards passing and two TDs. Cade McNamara had 159 yards passing, no TDs, two interceptions. And yet Michigan won. Um, and they didn't really need like fluky plays or wild turnovers or crazy special teams happenings um, largely to win the game. Uh, they just, they were pretty dominant, I'd say, through the game. I was like, they controlled it for the most part. Uh, it was a very gritty win. Um, and yeah, it's, you know, props to Michigan. I, I know some of us saw it coming. Um, Wyatt in particular had been calling out <laughs> all week how Michigan was going to pull through with a gritty <laughs> win. Um, but, but yeah, I, I didn't see it. And uh, yeah, they, they take the blue collar mantle this week. Did they so didn't can... name his team yet? I, I think I missed a segment. <laughs> <laughs> Michigan is censored to Wyatt's ears. Just, yeah, this nothing. Yeah, I definitely think Michigan was the right pick. I have a question, though. Mm-hmm. Can we give the award, the blue-collar team of the week, to a team that lost? Is that, on, is that oh. an automatic? No? It's no, a, I think they can. An, I think you could. They can. Yeah. I would have said it's an automatic dis- disqualification. Oh, really? Blue collar always pulls through. <laughs> um, all right, so that's going to conclude our college football talk. Let's get into the NFL here, our lone N- or our first NFL segment, I should say. Um, we got to thinking about this. Derek Carr has said he loves being a Raider and he would consider retirement if he was traded. But Wyatt, should this swashbuckling signal caller reconsider the stance, given the fact that the Raiders dysfunction have been largely dysfunctional over the last three years? And if he does give up this stance, what team should pursue him? Yes. Derek Carr should absolutely <laughs> consider leaving uh, the Raiders, the Vegas Raiders, almost said Oakland Raiders, and look elsewhere in 2022. 
I totally understand oh. his stance and wanting to stick around for his entire career. It's like a, a huge badge of honor for a quarterback to turn around the mm-hmm. team that drafted him. But since being uh, since being drafted in 2014, they have done him absolutely zero favors, including the fire that's happened this year. There have been five head coaching changes and since uh, since his rookie year. And in that time, all of the coaches collectively have gone 47 and 65. So it's not like they hired any stunners. They just kind of were high in middle of the pack guys, two interim head coaches, one, one going on right now. In the Gruden era alone, every single transaction, every single draft pick was highly questionable. They <laughs> traded away defensive player of the year, Khalil Mack, and they traded away Pro Bowl wide receiver, Omari Cooper, who looks like you know he's really came into his own on the Cowboys. Both those trades netted three first-round picks have resulted into absolutely zero contribution to their team whatsoever. In 2018, they drafted Colton Miller, who is their starting left tackle. He's pretty decent. In 2018, in the second round, they drafted P.J. Hall, who was cut from their team. In 2019, in the first round, they drafted Cleland Farrell from Clemson with the number four overall pick, who is no longer a starter on their team. Oh, my goodness. In that same year, they drafted Josh Jacobs who has been in and, out, in, and out, in and out of the lineups with injuries, so he's like a two-down rotational back. In 2019, they drafted, also in the first round, Jonathan Abrams, who is statistically the worst covered safety in the entire NFL. He, offer, he, he gives up the most passing yards per coverage than any other safety in the entire NFL. In 2020, they drafted Henry Ruggs, who, of course, has been cut from the team. In 2020 as well, they drafted Damon Arnett, who was also cut from the team. And in 2021, in their first-round pick, they drafted Alex Leatherwood, who was supposed to be the right tackle who's now been moved to, to guard. So none of these picks have panned out in, in any capacity whatsoever. And, and essentially, the Khalil Mack trade and Amari Cooper trade turned into Josh Jacobs, and that was it. Right? And then the, in return, the Bears got Khalil Mack and Cole Komet, who arguably is a far better pair of people than just Josh Jacobs, and Brian Edwards, too. So Brian Edwards, Hunter Renfro, and Max Crosby and Colton Miller are the only three shining picks or four shining picks for them since 2018. Every other draft pick or transaction has been cut from the team. Isn't that, isn't that like just an incredible feat of just bad transactions? Mm-hmm. And even just the trades, the big ones. Um, Antonio Brown traded for a third and a fifth, cut from the team. Martavius Bryant traded for a third rounder, cut before the end of camp. Not a single move that they have made has has impacted their team in a positive way whatsoever. They should, at this point from 2018, the core of this team should already be in place. And they are pretty much starting from the same point as when Gruden got hired. I'm right there with you. compelling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually did my it's... notes this week. <laughs> yeah, it's... exactly. You didn't screw up emotion. <laughs> it's weird to me because I think Carr is becoming one of those quarterbacks in my mind who is like he is synonymous to me with the team he plays for. I yeah. can't imagine him in another jersey, but 100%. And he's not even like I don't know if I would call him elite per se. You know, he wouldn't be an upgrade over that many quarterbacks, but I still I think he would do well to, to try his hand at another at another organization at the least. <laughs> would, he, would he be an up, would he be an upgrade over Kirk Cousins? Stop. Next I'm question. serious. No, this is a dead this is a dead Absolutely not. Absolutely. What? Absolutely. Dude, Kirk has been like a top five quarterback this season. Are you kidding? I'm not even <laughs> oh, kidding when I say he's that. He's moving up in the world. Yeah. Yeah, he is. <laughs> top eight. What? Let's, let's no, I, I agree with you, Bart. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like there are plenty of uh, he's definitely Derek Carr's definitely not like a generational talent, so 
like saying the Raiders like have wasted his talent is like a little weird. But I, I think guess. that they. But have. he definitely could be a good. Uh, no, I think you're. I think you're right to say that they have because he could be useful for like a, a serviceable like playoff contender um, who has a good defense and needs you know a, a good quarterback who's gonna you know not screw things up. I think there are plenty of teams out there who want that. Say like the Broncos or even the Browns at the moment. No, or, exactly. Um, you know, like exactly. Like that is a very valuable piece to have, even if he's not, you know, a, a MVP contender. Um, so, and he he, I don't think he has to be an MVP contender. I think Derek Carr is consistently a top twelve quarterback every year. Mm-hmm. I think that in every every single year since his rookie year, he's objectively gotten better. I know the stats don't always look like it. Look at look like it. He's not putting up you know a hundred more passing yards with every year, but he is just as good, if not better from the previous year. So, I mean, it, he's consistently top 12. I think that there are plenty of teams. The Browns would take him. I think, you know, of course, a lot of bottom feeders would take him, but he may not be better than Kirk cousins, but he's in that range and he's with Kirk cousins and he's with Jimmy Garoppolo who are both statistically quarterbacks that you can win with. I think he's, he's probably higher than Jimmy Garoppolo. He's higher than Jimmy Garoppolo, okay. but he's in that level where it's like he's he may not be on a given week, you know, the best quarterback in the NFL or something, or anything like that or in a given year, but he's good enough where you can win games. That's not that I mean Jimmy Garoppolo is career-wise uh you know, a, a plus 500 quarterback. Kirk Cousins I think is around the same thing. And but the difference is that both those teams have put together far better rosters. They've mm-hmm. since both those players have been acquired by those teams, they've actually put talent around them. Of course, Justin Jefferson is the second best wide receiver, if not the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. You know, the the Forty ers got you know Brandon Ayuk, who's who's been far better, and even and even this the Henry Ruggs incident was, you know, it was kind of like you can't predict for that. But even if he was still in play, playing right now, if we did a redraft. Of the 2020 uh, NFL draft, Henry Ruggs would not be the first wide receiver off the board. He right. probably wouldn't even be the fifth. Wow. So, so what what teams are we saying? Like, let's say Derek Carr, like the Raiders, like we're trading Derek Carr this this summer. What team should be going after him? I want the Steelers to go after him. Oh, yeah, that's Great a good pick. one. I think that would be a, a good lot of fit. Yeah. Yeah. Like he just can you picture him in a Steelers uniform? Yeah, I can. I don't they know. have great weapons yeah. there too. Chase Claypool. Yeah. I know White hates Juju, but Juju Smith Schuster there, uh, Deontay Johnson as well. So his name yeah. is John, by the way. Juju Smith Schuster. <laughs> John. <laughs> and now Najee Harris as well too. So, so I mean, they, they have some good weapons. I think there. a very similar situation, uh, two very similar situations: the Washington football team, yep. team mm-hmm. I have, and the Carolina Panthers. I think it would be two teams that he he could not only just you know survive, but he would shine. He'd be Mac Jones plus with I think with both of those teams. Great defense, pretty good supporting cast, and he's just an up, you know, an above average game manager is all you really need from him. Yeah, but he's not even like with the right weapons, he could be much more than that. I was just looking and at the Broncos. stats and like offensively, the Raiders are so good this year, and their defense is just trash. So I think, yeah, Aiden mentioned them as well, but the Broncos also would make a lot of sense because they have a bunch of weapons offensively and their defense is like the third best in the league right now. But, yeah. like, Teddy Bridgewater is, uh, 
he started off well, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they're underwhelming. Yeah, I think literally if you just look at teams that are good on defense and need yeah. a quarterback, he could go to any of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know what's funny is there's a ton of them, I feel like. Yeah. Teams that are good on defense, have a handful of good weapons, and just need a quarterback to facilitate the ball. Right. That's like all it Jets. is. Like the Jets. Like the Giants. <laughs> Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> speaking speaking of the Giants, <laughs> Nick Wright on uh, FS1, this was interesting, suggested that Russell, Russell Wilson will leave the Seahawks for the New York football Giants. What are your, <clears throat> let's say, what are your thoughts on the viability of that happening, like the fit and all that stuff? What are your thoughts on it? Wyatt. No way. I'm asking. No. <laughs> I was going to let somebody else go first because no, I was well, talking. No, you're the Giants fan. So no way. I mean, the Giants have two top picks in the top ten. Like it's right now, it's five and six. Nobody would ever trade five and six, and maybe even one next year after that, for one player. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, this team is not just a quarterback away. I know he joked about Derek Carr, but Derek Carr probably only cast cost one first round pick at most, if not like a second and a third. You know, this or a conditional first round pick, the whatever. You know, the the Eagles or the Colts gave up gave to the Eagles for Carson Wentz. You know, like. Russell Wilson is not as good as he used to be. I, the narrative of, oh my God, can you believe he's never received an, an MVP vote? I think has gotten to him and he says it to himself every single morning. He's like, I yeah. can't believe I haven't got an MVP vote. <laughs> like the let Russ cook thing. It's like, I can't, they got to let me cook. I think that he truly like has bought too far into the celebrity lifestyle <laughs> that New York only makes sense because he's married to Sierra now. It's like, uh, you know, it, <clears throat> It, even from like a football standpoint, it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever for Russell Wilson to want to go to to New York. <clears throat> He'd probably look better in green anyway. You know, wink, wink, New York Jets. But I uh, <laughs> look to trade the pick five and the pick six. And I know Wilson's a Hall of Famer. Still not worth it. They they yeah. they could get two franchise changing players with five and six, and then the and then the next year. Get another player, you know, whatever pick they have. Daniel Jones is still running QB. Um, you know, another top 10 pick. Top maybe. 10, yeah. Right? <laughs> and, and at that point, in two years, they will have absolutely changed their franchise. And if they get Russell Wilson, I think it'd just be Seattle, Seattle all over again. Honestly, though, yeah, neither the Jets or the Giants are a Russell Wilson away um, <laughs> from seriously contending. So, like, why would you make that move? Um, it would just be kind of ridiculous for them to think that um that would put them into contention and even also, like I, uh, no on. i was gonna say is that even be, even though they are so far behind uh, the seahawks may not be that much better on paper and historically he's yeah. been able to uplift them to nine and seven yeah. seasons but yeah. in the last two years he hasn't really been the guy to lift them to nine and seven seasons i know that like they went 12 and four last year but i mean he was he struggled a lot towards the end of last year and he has struggled all of this year it's like he seems to be going on a downhill trajectory and if i were the giants or the jets i wouldn't believe that that would be that's like a two off thing or you know our franchise would be any different than the last two years for seattle mm-hmm. yeah um, fair i definitely know seahawks fans that are uh, a little frustrated with russ right and now so. why would if you were john lynch trade a hall of famer yeah. Like, you don't even want that on your resume, even if he is <laughs> Fire Pete Carroll, move on. Get him whoever he wants. Oh, my goodness. Go for it. No, I'm, I'm not kidding. That's in there. Pete Carroll might lose his job this, this summer. Yeah, no, he probably will. But. 
Uh, let's do some. Um, let's move on and let's do some Thursday night football predictions. As we do, we've got Cowboys at Saints tomorrow. As we're podcasting this on a Wednesday, so we got Cowboys at Saints tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We're going in. We're picking an order of record like we have been. Bart has a firm grasp on uh, on uh, the first spot right now. He's ten and three. To be fair, though, Bart nor anybody else have correctly picked an upset, as far as I can tell. Just been chalk, chalk. pretty much all, all the way. <laughs> I was gonna say everybody um, else makes mistakes of not taking chalk, and that's why they're yeah, behind. Exactly. It's simple. Um, Lucas is uh, Lucas eight and Wyatt are tied for second at eight and five, and I am in last place at seven and I'm barely over five hundred at seven and six right now. So, um, so yeah, Bart, why don't you go first? Give us your score. Uh, okay, this one is is. Um, well, I was going to say easy. I realized we all picked the Cowboys last week and we were all wrong. <laughs> but I'm picking the Cowboys again. Uh, <laughs> even though they're away this time, that was like one of my big points. What did I say last week, though? I said that the Bills coming into the Superdome is going to help the, their passing game and that Josh Allen would do well. How many passing touchdowns did he throw? Four. I expect Dak to go off. There are reports that Amari and CeeDee Lamb are both going to be back. I'm not sure if both of those are true, but if that is true, then their offense is going to look even better. I'm still not sold on the Saints offense, even though Kamara might be coming back. Mark Ingram is healthy this week, but nonetheless, I mean, come on, the Saints just put up six points. So I think the Bills defense is still very good, or excuse me, not the, the Cowboys defense <laughs> is, is good, and their offense is going to thrive. So my final score, 34-20 Cowboys. Oh. You picked 34 last time as well for the Cowboys. But... I know, because it's just like... <laughs> With such a potent offense, it just makes sense. Yeah. Lucas was uh, the second pick there. He had to he had to dip out, but he for the record, Cowboys twenty seven ten for his score. Um, Aiden, what about yourself? Yeah, I'm not making the mistake of picking an upset again. Never again. I'm not gonna <laughs> pick an upset, but no. um, I have Cowboys twenty eight seventeen. Saints are in a slide, and they don't really seem like they're getting closer to breaking out of it. Um, Trevor had probably his, his worst game yet um, last week. Yeah. Um, and it seems like Taysom Hill is going to be starting this week. So maybe, you know, maybe that'll um, change things up a yeah, bit. Ian he was pretty Buck solid last year. Yeah, exactly. Ian Book <laughs> is any day now going to be happening. Um, but I think, yeah, the Cowboys had a bad Thanksgiving. I think they'll bounce back from it. And they don't have Mike McCarthy, but maybe that's a positive. So, <laughs> yeah, I have them winning. I'm sure Wyatt, I'm sure For, Wyatt thinks so. <laughs> Wait, what? Um, no, Aiden, Aiden, did I get your score? 28-17. Yeah, I got it. He started Wyatt. with the, the cries for Ian Book will, will live on to, for another week as the Cowboys absolutely rout the Saints. I don't know if Taysom Hill is going to be much better. I know Alvin Kamari will or might come back, but the Cowboys offensively, even without Omari Cooper, are significantly better than the New Orleans Saints. The Saints have been on a slide. They are not very good at all. Their defense is good, but I mean, it's not enough to keep a, you know, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Drew Breesless offense, you know, from, you know, staying afloat at this point. Mike McCarthy is out who cost them the game against the Raiders last week. <laughs> I didn't want to mention it because I knew you would. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to talk. The time management was so bad in all three, three possible phases of timeouts. The first half the end of the regulation and in overtime, he ended the he ended those segments with timeouts. He does not use timeouts well enough to stretch every opportunity to win games and score. It just 
he finished the first half, I believe, with two and then regulation with like three. I think it just <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense why he can't use his timeouts properly and stretch out and maximize the amount of time he has to, you know, actually win these games. But he doesn't need his timeouts this week because he's not even going to be there. Cowboys win 45-10. Oh, my goodness. That's the most bullish uh, why it's probably ever been on the Cowboys on this I show. Um, I'm pretty low on the Saints right now. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, to be fair to to Mike McCarthy a little bit, at least he didn't call two timeouts in a row like your boy Dan Campbell did, Wyatt. So oh there's that. Um, Sometimes you got to mix it up. They never expect it. That's true. Yeah, they never expect getting another win. I also them, predicted that not only would <laughs> the, the Lions would win on a game-winning field goal, they lost on a game-winning field goal. Again, so. <laughs> yeah, they did. It's just a just a given at this point, just implied when you see yeah. the Lions, yeah, score. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, I also I'm the last pick. I don't think this is the week to pick an upset either. Cowboys to the moon here. It's a revenge game, just like that Falcons game was. Um, so I'm going Cowboys 29-16 for my score. I, I'm not as I'm not gonna pick them to score 40 like I did last time, but 29-16 for me. I'm just how do you, having how faith do you that that's getting twenty nine. I'm just having faith <laughs> that they can. Yeah, it's I, hopefully that's a score, Dami. We'll see. Four touchdowns and then they just go for two at some point to run. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> know how it works. It works out though. I'm sure. I'm sure there's some way. Um, can we talk about the Cowboys here for a second, just really quickly? Go ahead. Does anyone else feel like Mike McCarthy is just completely losing a grip on the team and with ownership as well? He. He got he's out with COVID this week, but he appointed Dan Quinn to be um, the head coach for this week. And What's not, wrong with that? Not Kellen Moore, who yeah. could possibly Kellen be Kellen Moore is the OC. He's the mastermind. Yeah, but he's, he's but he's guy. the he's now NFL's Dan golden Quinn's the child. philosophy guy. But don't you? I think that they should see what they <laughs> have in him. And and if they he, yeah. if he's a good enough head coach to run this week, I think that they would be smart to to keep him around and look at him to be the next head coach. Because I think Mike McCarthy is going to lose a grip on it. If Kellen Moore is not the next head coach of the Cowboys next year, he will be the next head coach of another team. Mm. That is going to do it for this week's show. If you like anything that you heard, go ahead and follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at YouThoughtSport. Leave us a comment. We often respond. Jared and Lucas and I are always in there arguing our picks, fighting for our lives in these comment sections from you guys. We appreciate it. And uh, listen again next week and next year when we show up on your Spotify wrapped. Thank you.